I'm a sheriff. A cowboy sheriff. On a steel horse you ride. Sweet Clyde, laugh derisively at him. <laughs> okay, A, they weren't dead when I got them, and two, they were going bad anyway. Turns out you can't fool some of the people any of the time. Would you rather die a horrible green fever death or get a nice clean pipe to the temple? This is Mr. Sledge's Neighborhood, the almost weekly podcast supplement about the world of geekdom. Kevin's opinions are just that. They are his and his alone and do not reflect that of the Court of Nerds or the Imperium of Man. So open up some Cheetos and make your way down to the basement because it's about to get nerdy in here. Welcome to Mr. Sledge's Neighborhood, episode number 32. It's been a while. So unzip your pants and loosen your belt, cause I got a whole lot of news to get to today. You may as well be comfortable. But first, a word from this week's sponsor, Bugle Boy Jeans! Different blood types, different color. Okay. Different windows, different weaknesses, individuals, different education names. Are you just gonna list all the ways we're different? Race, voices. Different borders, different talents, different cable companies, different cell phone providers, different genitalia. What are we going for here? Different fears, signs, different heroes, gods, nationalities, different schools of thought, emotions. How could I forget emotions? Different moves. Combinations, different bodies, different statements. No, you're really not making any different statements. Bugle Boy. I think this commercial alone is the reason why you went bankrupt in 2001. Bugle Boy, a common thread. And now, the news! Get ready for a hundred years of adventure, a hundred years of Rick and Morty, things all day long forever for a hundred days! Because the famous ampersanded duo Rick and Morty are teaming up with the letters D&D to bring you an epic crossover the likes of which hasn't been seen since the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. Although that was one Hanna-Barbera property merging with another, so in retrospect it doesn't really seem all that groundbreaking now. But I mean, come on! That's the basis for a shared universe right there! Never mind that a family of cave dwellers would have absolutely zilch understanding of what people in the future would talk like, and probably interchange of the diseases would be disastrous, but not even Marvel has pulled off a crossover this sweet, and they're owned by Disney, which means you could be watching Captain America fighting alongside Obi-Wan Kenobi right now! But you're not! Rick and Morty aren't afraid of things being awesome, though, which is why you'll be seeing a comic crossover licensed through Oni Press and IDW Publishing to make the miniseries that blends two great tastes with one another. 
According to the announcement from Oni Press, the series will be premiering August 2018, and it features quite the lineup. For one, the story is being helmed by Patrick Reset the King Killer Chronicles Clock, Rafus, and D&D comic writer Jim Zub. Drawn by Troy Little, whose style really seems to have captured the look of what these two worlds would look like when they smash into each other. This is pretty exciting stuff. Rick and Morty are known for not shying away from adventure. Using the framework of whatever harrowing ordeal Rick is dragging Morty through to illustrate something about life and the same mechanics of whatever they're going through. Whether it's games, parties, drugs, crime, or things like family and love, Rick and Morty hold a peculiar lens through which you can see both the thing you love for what it really is. Broken down and beautiful all at once. But let's get away from that for a second and talk about the team. They're going to be delving into all of the iconic material of Dungeons & Dragons, and a few other things, I'm sure. In the picture above all of this gelatinous cube, a plus one axe, and a beholder, and what looks like an iconic helmet from Skyrim at the bottom right. This is just the promo picture, and I'm already excited! Rick has a peculiar affinity for messing with the most powerful creatures in the land, proving to them that he can outsmart them. The rest of the multiverse is worthless, and he's the one that should be running everything. Rightly so. So it will be interesting to see if Rick and Morty come up against big names like Vecna or Orcus and tear them down. Peace by peace. Let's be honest, this isn't the first time a Dan Harmon property has delved into the D&D. Remember that show Community? Man, I need me some more Troy and Abed. The directions given to you by the gnome, you arrive at a field full of majestic pegasi. Finally. But they are guarded by a mysterious and beautiful elf maiden who seems drawn to Mar. Oh, okay. Well, um, I explained that we need a pegasus, and uh, I don't know, promise to fill it up before we bring it back. She flirts with you. I flirt back. How? I say something sexy. Like what? Abed. Ugh. Okay. Excuse me. I don't normally do this, but you're the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. And I would really love a Pegasus. Ugh. Works for me. You're very handsome, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this. My stable has a bedding of heather. Perhaps you'd be more comfortable indoors. I bet try and look at what you're doing and understand that I don't want to. You've offended the elf maiden. She seems disinterested in doing business with you today. Uh, what? All right, come on. Can we just do this? Hi. Hello. I'm Hector the Well-Endowed. You've got a bunch of pegasi. Let's make a deal. What kind of deal? All right, I take her by the hand and lead her to the stable. I light a candle and rip off a piece of my tunic, which I fashion into a blindfold. Oh, Hector, but I don't know shh, if I... Shh. I place it gently over the elf maiden's eyes. I slowly lay her down. both fall back exhausted but still entwined. Okay, great. I stroke her hair lovingly and spoon her for the appropriate amount of time before leaving. How long is that? Cool, cool, cool. All right, the elf maiden thoroughly satisfied promises you a flock of pegasi. Oh, excellent. You guys can take a break. I should check on Pierce. Sticking with the pen and paper role-playing games, May is right around the corner, and that will bring us more details about Wrath and Glory's release. 
In case you don't realize what that is, it's the new Warhammer 40k role-playing game that I talked about a little bit a while ago, and it looks like it's going to set the Imperium on fire. How does the new game work, you might ask? Do I need a shitload of D6s? And do I ha does it have a steep learning curve like, say, 40k? First off, you should always have a ton of D6s just in case you might want to start an orc army, which we all inevitably do at some point. But as to the other question, how about I share some information on game mechanics? I will do this assuming the Reverse Centaur crew's names, to give you an idea how it might work. One of the key goals for Wrath and Glory is to find combat that feels both exciting and fluid. So there's always this interchange and back and forth between everyone at the table. With this in mind, the initiative system seems designed to specifically create a literal back and forth between PCs and NPCs. So Grundle, then Dick Wizard, then Fripp, then Dick Wizard, then Yavanna, then Dick Wizard. Repeat. The Pukru, or Grant, can, of course, throw a monkey wrench into this system. They can interrupt and try to seize the initiative, spending either their accumulated glory, like a growing pot of Grundle's key points, or ruin, like Grant's pile of shit he keeps making Fripp step into, and this lets you cut in line effectively. You activate, and then nominate another player, and go! If there's ever any a doubt by, about who acts first, the characters simply roll their initiative attribute and compare icons, with the highest number of icons acting first. In the case of a tie, player characters win over NPCs, and if there is a tie between two players or two NPCs, the players choose get to go to see who goes first. Or, you know, the dick wizard does. If the warband was facing a tough opponent, for example, Fripp could use his character's turn to make an interaction attack and render an opponent vulnerable, lowering its defense. This sets up Yavanna to take advantage and land a solid hit, potentially shifting more dice into the damage roll. Speaking of damaging opponents, we also learn a little bit about how enemies will work in this system. Wrath and Glory uses a mob swarm kind of mechanic for multiple weaker enemies. Groups of individually weaker enemies called troops can form up into a mob. So for instance, a group of 10 orc boys can mob together, making their attacks with extra dice equal to half the number in the mob, and then use those attacks however they want. This can make combat go faster, so you're not striking down weak Gretchen every turn for like 10 minutes. Mobs can also split up their attacks if they're fighting multiple opponents, and Grant can, if he wishes, split up a mob so on their turn there can be more than one group of enemies acting in combat. As we get closer to Gen Con, we will see more about this 40k flavored pen and paper RPG, but in the meantime, try to figure out which one is better, Wrath or Glory. Maybe, you know, fight to the death with somebody over it. You've tracked the hobgoblins to this shack. One guard hobguards the door. That's what they call guarding. Go! Sniper arrow on the guard. It strikes true, the guard drops. I move to the doorway, detect traps. None detected. I enter. Left flank. Right! One hobgoblin facing east. Backstab. Double damage. Critical hit, he's dead. Footsteps behind the door to the north. I notch two arrows. I climb the walls to get above the door. Five goblins enter from the north. I fire! Both arrows hit. Cleave! You kill one and wound another. I drop on the last one and grapple. You got a hold of them. With his dying breath, he utters, The Dark Lord will kill you all. Wait, these things can talk? 
I want two taken alive. I want to try something. Hi. <laughs> I'm Tiny Nuggins. I'm going to put my dagger down right here so we can just talk. Mm, human trash. You know, look, uh, I'm going to give it to you straight. We're looking for a necromancer. We don't need two goblins to find him. So between you and your friend, who do you think's the most useful? Man, your friend sure can talk. Liar, he'll never turn. Oh, yeah, because of that famous goblin loyalty. I could never drive a wedge between you and some guy from work. Nah, uh, I was best man at that guy's wedding. Oh. Your friend says you just got married. Congratulations. Too bad about the food. I hope your flesh rots and wheat. What about the food? Oh, I guess he didn't like your wedding toast. Goldback said that? Clang doesn't approve of you and Lisa Goldback, and I don't get the sense it's because of his feelings for you. You know, I think about Lisa sitting in that hole in Dark Tooth Canyon with old Frimrock and Grignog rolling about on the wolf pelts. <laughs> Come on, between you and me, which one do you think is yours? <laughs> in reviews this week, I'm going to keep going with this fantasy theme that I have, and I'm going to review the absolutely wonderfully named beer, Blood of the Unicorn. Pipeworks Brewery was established in Chicago in 2012 by two friends with a shared dream of crafting quality and creative beers. Since putting in their first cap on their first bottle, the brewery has garnered accolades for distinctive beers and original artwork thanks to a growing and enthusiastic team. This team have pooled all their experience points and poured their essence into one magnificent beer. Blood of the Unicorn is a red ale with a slight hazy appearance. It pours a deep, dark amber coloration with a medium fizzy head. Smell is surprisingly hoppy, but with some caramel, biscuity malt coming through as well. Notes of red berries and citrus fruit, and just a hint of pine. Taste follows the nose, being predominantly hoppy at first, but subsides to richer flavors. Strong notes of red berries, red currant being the most dominant, and a medium notes of citrus with a light pininess as well. Finishes with a medium bitterness and some more pine coming through the end. Smooth mouthfeel with a medium body and carbonation. At only an APV of 6.5%, you could enjoy a couple of these around the game table in an epic quest of adventure. Or inadvertently giving a mythical creature a colonoscopy. Poor. Poor Gary. Okay. I take the Duquesne sword from the naked man. I attack him! I attack Blackface! It's a critical hit. What? You've decapitated him. Brutalitops is dead. What? No! Chang, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to ask for your character sheet. That's my time this week. If you have a hankering to find out which stretchy superhero is the most flaccid, check out the newest episode of Very Fine with our own Grant Stoy on the Court of Nerds RSS feed. I'm Kevin from the aforementioned court saying, it's dangerous to go alone, but I could sure use the silence. Bye.